0: Scripture reading this morning is Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. I think we've become quite familiar with this passage. Uh, Page 72 in your Black Pew Bibles, if you want to turn there. And I'll ask you to stand as we read his word this morning. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. "...or your sons, or your daughters, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery." You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's.
1: Exodus chapter 20. Turn, if you would, in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, that black pew Bible you can can pick up and turn to page 72 as Jeff... Told us earlier, we were walking through the books of uh, the book of Exodus, and we are in the Ten Commandments, and we are in the, the eighth commandment this morning. <clears throat> I remember as a, a five year old driving home from the grocery store, and my mother looked at me and she asked me, What are you chewing? And I didn't say anything. And then she said, where did you get that? So she abruptly turns the car around and goes back towards, uh, I guess it was Old Food right then. It's where the Restoration Church meets now, right there beside the, um, um, the post office. And so we marched in there, and not only did I have to, play, I have to pay for that three-cent piece of bubble gum, but I had to tell the owner of that store that I had stolen that bubble gum from his store, which was the worst. Getting whooped at home was nothing compared to having to look at that person in the eye and tell him I I stole gum from his store. That was my first theft that I recall. Um, And we're in chapter 20, verse 15. And this verse, the seventh commandment, tells us you shall not steal. let's review these Ten Commandments do you remember I told you it sounds kind of childish but uh, can you name the Ten Commandments in order and our church family when we're finished you'll be able to and in order to do this if you're visiting with us you have to do you have to use we do fingers right one two three four five but if you there's little motions that help us remember the Ten Commandments and and we want to learn these Ten Commandments and we should be able to if we say this is, we're believers and God's word is important to us. The commandments are important to us, and we ought to know them. So, the first one is 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 one God, right? Have no other gods before me. There's one God, okay. And the second one, remember the second one? Yeah, Glenda, you remember if you if you do your fingers up like this, you have to do it. don't carve idols, all right? Don't carve idols. Uh, three, Mr. Bobby, you remember that one? You, what is it? Yeah, don't take the Lord's name in vain, right? The fourth commandment, yeah, it's it's remember the Sabbath day because we take a nap on Sunday afternoon, right? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The fifth, Josh, what's the fifth one? Honor your, Honor your father and mother. Yeah, what we do. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am, right? Honor your father and mother. Yeah, it's childish, but I'm telling you, this is how I remembered them, and now I can say them, but I couldn't. I had to do this. All right, the sixth, Ronnie remember? Do not murder, right? Do not murder, right? Right? Do not murder. The seventh, remember? These two have to stay together. Do not commit adultery. Yeah, these two stay together, right? And then, uh, and then today is the eighth one, and it's do, do not steal. And wh- what's the sign there? Yeah, it's like because, you know, in a lot of countries, not ours, because we don't do hardly anything for anybody that steals these days, but in some countries, if you steal, what do they do? Yeah, right. That's how we remember it, right? Cut the fingers off. Do not steal it. Well, is that a big problem in our culture today? Is theft, thievery, is it a problem in our culture? Well, let me ask you a question. When you left to come to church this morning, Luana, did you lock your doors? I'm, then I thought, man, maybe I shouldn't say this. I won't say names, <laughs> but I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I won't do it. <laughs> yeah, now. But how many? I mean, how many thieves are watching us on Facebook Live? You know what I mean? Um, uh, you know they're not watching church, right? They're out checking doors, right? Um, think about it. Did you did you did you lock your door when you came to church? Don't answer. I'm not calling out any more names. Did you lock your door before you came to church this morning? Now most of you would say, yeah. Leanne, did you lock yours? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we lock our doors before we leave. In fact, my wife, she's from she's from like north of Atlanta, okay? And I don't really blame her, but she in our driveway, she'll lock the key that lock the, the door to the car in our driveway. And I'm like when we you know we first moved here, I'm like, look, it's Tiffany County. We, we don't have anything of value in our car anyway. So why are you locking the doors? But it's always you know, you run out there just to get something out of ah oh, then it's locked, and you gotta go back in the house to get keys, it drives me crazy. Um, but most of us will probably lock your doors when you leave the house. Um, yeah, you think about alarm companies, security companies, they're, they're numerous. I, I Googled how many alarm and security companies there were. And it was like, you know how the Google map comes up and there's red dots everywhere. I mean, they're a dime a dozen. Um, how many of you have security cameras, just by way of showing your hand, how many of you have security cameras at your house? That's quite a few. Now, how many keep your hands up if you have security cameras at your home? All right. Now, how many of you have security cameras at your workplace? Yeah. You know, in fact, we have them here at the church. You know, we had a break-in and some vandalism, so now we have, have cameras. Yeah, we I think that, that lets us know, yeah, this is a problem in our culture, in our society. Well, the IRS estimates that about twenty billion dollars a year are stolen. In unpaid taxes because underreporting of income. I am told that 40 billion a year is stolen from employers, not by shoplifters who you would expect to be the culprits, not by people breaking in, not by people um, taking things from the warehouse, but by their own employees. And this happens as workers are dishonest about their work hours taking leftover supplies after a job, abusing expense accounts, or taking sick days when you're not sick. And what happens when we have a lot of theft going on is there's a lack of trust in our society. And Albert Moeller, he tells the story of a factory worker uh, that lived during the Iron Curtain days of Russia. Every day he would leave work, he would fill up a wheelbarrow full of leftover parts there at the factory he worked in and he would push that, attempt to push that home and he would get to the gate of the factory and the, the gatekeepers would every day would would catch him. He would do this time and time again. Finally, it was the last day he was to work. He was going to, his last day on the job, he was retiring, he was when he finished working there and once again, he fills his wheelbarrow up full of, Uh, leftover product and he covers it and he gets to the gate and the gatekeepers they pulled back the cover to the wheelbarrow and there were those confiscated items and they told him he was a fool you get caught every day you haven't gotten away with anything after a moment the retiring worker says no you're the fool I've been stealing wheelbarrows (laughs) and so Muller concludes the story by saying whenever you institutionalize thievery or theft, it destroys trust in society. And I think we could say that's happened in our country, in our culture. Taking someone else's property, it's a violation of the Eighth Commandment, and it indeed destroys trust we have in one another. So our points this morning are pretty straightforward. Number one, don't steal. Don't steal and... um, Think about was this an old, was this a problem in Moses' day? He's leading the Israelites out of Egypt. And you got to think about what happened. When they left Egypt, they didn't leave empty-handed. Do you remember? Now they left with a lot. Right? They, they left with a lot of loot in their pockets. And um, but it, it seems to be a problem because all throughout the Old Testament we see references to having just weights and just measurements a couple verses leviticus 19 verse 35 you shall do no wrong in judgment in measures of length or weight or quantity proverbs 11 verse 1 a false balance is an abomination to the lord what's it mean to be something be an abomination to the lord i don't know whatever it is it sounds terrible right but he hates that right he hates it, but a just weight is his delight because he is just. Right? He's fair. He's just. Proverbs sixteen eleven. A just balance and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his work. See, the Lord is just, and we should be like him. We should be fair and just, and we should not steal. Proverbs twenty ten. Unequal weights and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord. We see that word again. An abomination. Proverbs 20, 23, unequal weights are an abomination to the Lord and false scales are not good. See, in those days, the businessmen, merchants or vendors, they didn't have the scales we have today, electronic scales that, that weigh to the ounce. No, this is the, the scales they had were weighted with bags. But you just think about how easy it would be for a vendor to fill them improperly. And instead of Uh, You buying a pound of flour, you come home and in actuality you think it's a pound, but it's maybe three quarters of a pound. Just balances, just scales please the Lord. And in the Old Covenant, what are the consequences of breaking the Eighth Commandment? Well, they are harsh as we've seen all of them be. Deuteronomy 24, 7. If a man is found stealing one of his brother's, of the people of Israel and if he treats them as a slave or sells them then that thief shall die so you shall purge the evil from your midst this is talking about stealing people kidnapping right you are to be put to death it was harsh penalty we've seen that time and time again in the old covenant children who were cantankerous and disobedient cursing their parents they were to be put to death a murderer Put to death. An adulterer put to death. And here we have the, the one who steals should be put to death. What about in the New Covenant? What's the consequences under the New Covenant? We see Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9-11. We've seen this text several times the last few weeks. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, hold on a second. What's it mean to not inherit the kingdom of God? Yeah, that means you go to hell for all eternity. That's the consequence. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, um, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Neither thieves shall enter the kingdom of God. God. So the consequences are quite harsh, even under the new covenant. And we're thankful. We've said this time and time again for those who are in the old covenant. Under the old covenant, you're to be stoned, you'll be put to death. But now in the new covenant, oftentimes we see uh, things, uh, instead of capital punishment, we see discipline in the church under the new covenant. You're, you're put out of the church. Instead of being stoned, you're put out of the, the church. But we have seen with, with every one of these commands, we've seen them being reiterated in the, New with, in the New Testament, with the exception of the Sabbath command. All the others we see reiterated in the, in the New Testament. In fact, this one is reiterated, Titus chapter 2, verse 7 through 10. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. So that an opponent may not may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Slaves are to be submissive to their own masters in everything, they are to be well pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering. Pilfering means to be a thief, right? It's taking something that's not yours, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. This is Paul's words of instruction to Titus. We see it in Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty eight. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So we see this not only in the old covenant under the law, condemned, prohibited, but we see under the new covenant as well. What are the causes of theft? Why do people steal? kind of first thing that comes to your mind maybe is maybe they are... Lacking, Maybe they don't have much. But in our culture, in America, that's not um, typically the the case. I'm not saying it it can't be. Um, I feel like maybe if my family was hungry and I'd had no way to feed them, um, would I might take something from somebody's house? Maybe. But in 80% of the cases where shoplifters are caught shoplifting, They had money in their pocket, their wallet, their purse to pay for the item they stole. It's kind of enlightening, isn't it? So do people steal because they're poor? In our culture, typically that's not the case. So why do they? Well, number one, maybe because of, uh, or it seems one of the reasons is because of unbelief. Think about the context. The, The Israelites, they've been brought out of Egypt And on their journey, after they crossed the Red Sea, miraculously God did incredible work, delivered them, and they're on their way from the Red Sea, Egypt. They're on the way to the Promised Land, right? And they just, where we are now in context, they've been traveling and they get to Mount Sinai. They're there about 11 months receiving the law. And after that, they're going to head towards the Promised Land. But on the way from the Red Sea to Mount Sinai, where we are now, what's happened? Well, they had needs. Two times they didn't have water. They're in the wilderness They're in the desert. They don't have anything to drink. And what does God do? Not once but twice. He provides water for them miraculously. And also, they don't have food to eat. So what does he do? Well, he sends a bunch of quail in, right? There's a wind that brought all these birds in. And then every day, he provides manna from heaven. They wake up. It's like dew on the ground. And they have food to eat. And then they go to battle. There's... um, nations coming against them. And so what does he do? He gives them victory. So time and time again, we see God giving his people, the people of Israel, victory, giving them provision, taking care of his people. But now we have this command that they should not steal. Well, one of the reasons that the Israelite might steal is because they didn't trust God. Psalm 78, verse 19. If you read this whole psalm, it's all that God has done for, for his people and then you have some who don't believe. They spoke against God saying, can God spread a table in the wilderness? And guess what? The answer is, yeah. He's already done it for you several times, right? They don't, but they don't believe. Can he give bread or provide meat for his people? And the unbeliever says, no, he can't. And so what does the unbeliever do? He spreads a table for himself, but it's, it's at, at other men's expenses. And what they take in, the first course, the second course is served with stolen food. Yeah, they don't trust that God's going to provide for them. But what has God done up to this point? He's provided for them. Manna from heaven, quail, water from a rock. All they do is cry to the Lord and He meets their needs. But the unbeliever would say, no, God can't meet my needs. So that's one reason they would steal. Another reason why they would steal, take something that's not theirs, is just covetousness. And this is the 10th commandment. We'll get to it in two weeks. What does it mean to, to covet? It just means to have an Im- immoderate desire of getting things. That's the root, isn't it, of being a thief? You just want somebody else's stuff. You don't have enough, and so you want someone else's. Doesn't matter if they worked hard for it. right? So a man covets more than his own, and This itch of covetousness makes him scratch what he can from another. I'll take his and hers and his and theirs. Mark Twain, he writes, when he was a boy, he said, I was walking along on a street and happened to spy a cart full of watermelons. And I was fond of watermelons, so I sneaked quietly up to the cart and I snatched one. Then I ran into a nearby alley and sank my teeth into the melon. No sooner had I done so, however, that a strange feeling came over me. Without a moment's hesitation, I made my decision. I walked back to the cart, replaced the melon, and took a ripe one. (laughs) So what did Mark Twain, as a child, he coveted another man's, not just another man's watermelon, but he coveted a a ripe watermelon. Yeah. So sometimes we we don't trust the Lord. We don't believe that he's going to provide for us. So we cut corners. We take what's not ours. We lie about this. We lie about expense report, mileage log. We lie about our income because we think maybe God won't take care of us. Or maybe we covet other people's things. Or maybe the third reason we steal is because we're just lazy folks. First Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica, Now concerning uh, and to, uh, let me see here. Let me read verse 9. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that, in, that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that... Why are you working with your hands? Melanie, why are we going to be busy so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Don't depend on somebody else. Don't take their stuff. Work and buy your home. Second Thessalonians. Same church, different letter, chapter 3, verse 6 through 10. now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how, we ought, how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you. Paul was a worker. He got after it. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right. He's an apostle. He started the church. He led these people to Christ. Yeah, they should take care of him. But to give you, you in ourselves, an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command: If anyone is not willing to work, let him go hungry. Let him go hungry. I remember I was working in Louisville, and I, I waited tables when I was in grad school. But I would, I started doing some. Um, little handyman work, working for some people that I knew at the restaurant. I'd met some customers and they had rental property. And so I was in a not so good part of town and in this house, there was, was a street with the shotgun houses on it. And I was parked right on the curb with the, the driver's side facing the house. And the driver's side uh, window and door were about five feet to the, to the step that went into the house and so i was working on the house and i it, it was winter time it was really cold and and i had a heater in the in the house and so i left my coveralls in my truck and i would locked my truck and so i'm in there working i need a tool or something out of my truck so i come out and i discovered that my side window was busted out and i looked in the truck and of course they took my coveralls which wasn't a big a big deal but it's cold so for the next week, I had to drive with my driver's side window down in 30-degree you know, weather. And that made me really angry. But there was somebody that walked by there, and they wanted my coveralls. They coveted them. And they're too lazy to work and make money, so they took mine that I'd work hard for. It also taught me, don't lock your, don't lock your doors to your vehicle because I'd rather them just be able to open the door and get whatever they want and then shut the door. Because having a busted out glass, that's really inconvenient in the wintertime. Why do, we, why do we steal? Unbelief, we covet, right? We're lazy. It's just easier to take somebody else's stuff than work for it yourself. And I think the last reason, or, and there's many more reasons maybe, but the, the last reason I'll give you today is just meanness. Some folks are just wicked. You just take stuff just because you know it's going to inconvenience or hurt somebody. You know anybody like that? My great uncle, was he used to tell me a story. He helped me put in my, my first guard, and he was really good to me. And uh, he was really good at telling stories, too. He was telling about him uh, a time he stole watermelons. And um, uncle it was Uncle Melvin. He was telling the story. He said one time he stole these watermelons. It's something about watermelons. I don't know what it is. It's alluring, right? He was stealing watermelon from, from, from a from this from a man down the road had a watermelon patch and he stole watermelons. I said, Well, I guess y'all didn't have watermelons. He goes, No. Of course we had watermelons. Everybody had watermelons. I thought, well, why would you if you had watermelons, why would you take his if you had plenty? He just looked at me and said, Just plain old meanness. Just mean kids, right? And I was thinking about that when I when I I recalled an incident when I was a child. There was a group of us, friends of mine, we would go to a a certain subdivision in Munford on Halloween. I lived out in the country you know, and there wasn't a lot of houses so we would go up there and you could just walk as a group around trick or treating and our parents didn't um, think too much about that. It's just pretty safe. And we walked by a friend's house and a friend that wasn't with us and we we played ball with him, he was a good friend of ours. We walked by his house and he wasn't with us and one of the guys in the group, picked up the guy's pumpkin and he had a really big pumpkin on his front front porch and this this friend of ours, he had two siblings that were a lot younger than him so you know it had a jack-o-lantern and all and it was, it was real pretty carved out and real neat. Well this friend of mine picked up the, the pumpkin and just walked off with it and then we just walked down the street and we were down the street for a little ways and he picked it up and he's busted in the middle of the road and this old boy he didn't need a pumpkin, he didn't care about that at all. Why did he do that? Just Plain old meanness. He just want to tear something up. Um, Augustine tells a, a similar story. Some of you have read this story, I'm sure. He tells an account when he was a teenager, he and a bunch of his buddies, they stole a bunch of pears from a neighbor's pear tree. And it was they, they all had as many pears as they could carry. And they got them in a spot and they all circled around and they started taking a bite out of each pear. And they didn't eat all the pears, they just eat a bite out of one. And then what did they do? They, they threw them to the pigs. Why? They enjoy breaking the law. Just meanness. Yeah, some people steal just because they're wicked folks, right? There's many different reasons why, but we know it all boils down to the heart, doesn't it? What are the types of theft? I've mentioned a couple of, you know, not, not cheating on your taxes, right? And your employer, you have all these expense accounts and whatnot and your, your employer, they trust you to fill those out correctly and you take more money than you should uh, from your employer. But there's other ways, I was just thinking through ways that maybe we don't think about. Um, you know, some of those things are really obvious, but there's some things that maybe they're not. And I was thinking this, we, we lived overseas and um, this was really rampant where we lived, but watching, watching movies on, on, the, on TV when you didn't buy them, just watching pirated movies, and there's a lot of different ways uh, to do that. Uh, I was fixing to say, well, if you don't, if you don't know why or how, ask me, and I'll tell you. But that wouldn't be, that wouldn't look good on the preacher, would it? But there's a lot of ways to wa- watch pirated movies. Uh, but you didn't buy them; you just watched them. In fact, there was a, a picture I wanted to I put up. It was a, um, it was on the, um, it was on a magazine cover, and the picture was really neat. It was a lady buying a turkey, and she. Um, she had her finger under the scale, the turkeys on the, it was the old time, you, you buy a whole turkey and they would weigh it. And the, the butcher, it has his finger on the scale, pushing it down and she has on the other side, her finger under it, pushing up. You know, I was going to use that, but I couldn't figure out how to use it without stealing it. And so I just didn't use it. I was like, how do I use this picture? There's ways of doing that, but I didn't want to pay a lot of money and da da da. So I just said, well, forget it, I'll just tell you about it. But there are a lot of ways we, we steal things. Maybe, um, one thing that I thought about is watching, watching uh, movies or TV on someone else's account. Yeah, I hurt your feelings a little bit. I was, um, and the reason I say that is because I was, um, I was in my bed last night, and and I usually we go to bed early on Saturday night because I get up real early, but we're getting an extra hour of sleep, right? And plus, Jenny's like, oh, let's just listen to the rest of the game. Because Tennessee's playing Kentucky. I, I like I like Tennessee football. But we don't have a, a dish network or, or anything like that. So we just, on the Internet, we just look at the game tracker. And then we listen to it on the radio, which is sometimes complicated because the, the tracker is like 30 seconds behind. But we're listening to it, and... Um, And my buddy, Andy Lawrence, calls me. Some of y'all know Andy. He comes to Wildlife Supper. He's a pastor in Frankfort, Kentucky, a big Kentucky fan. The last time he was here, in fact, we watched a um, Kentucky-Tennessee basketball game in Tennessee won, which was was helpful. Um, But we were just talking about the ball game. And he said, are you watching the game? And I said, "Uh, no, I don't have a... I don't have a dish thing. And I got to thinking about that. I was like, yeah, you know. We say, oh, I don't have a dish thing. Hey, what's your account number? Can I use that? Because I want to watch so-and-so. Well, you're not paying for it. But yeah, you watch it. As if it's your account. I don't know. That's just, I was thinking about that last night. Maybe some people, they won't even use internet. I mean, they don't buy internet because they use their neighbors. And I guess that would be fine if your neighbor was telling you that, but Maybe you do that and you don't know it. Why they wouldn't have a Wi-Fi password, I don't know, but sometimes that happens. Or you have these scams, identity theft things happen all the time. I have people calling me. So and so just called and asked me for da 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 da, and I don't. That don't sound right. it's not right. Don't answer. Don't do it. Right. One time I, I got a call from my credit card company, and they said there's uh, some purchases uh, in Rome, Italy. Somebody's buying a motorcycle, and uh, with my uh, credit card. I was like, no, I'm not in Rome. Uh, so that's not a good thing. And it's really inconvenient because we go out of town sometimes and you're traveling and you go to a gas station and you try to use your credit card. But it, won't, it won't take it. So you have to call the credit card company and say, hey, I'm in a different part of the country. like, okay. And they open it up for you. But isn't that aggravating? It happens all the time. This identity theft, yeah, it's, it's rampant these days. And I'm thinking, man, if these people spend half as much time working as they, you know, the energy working as they do to trying to figure out how to steal stuff, they might be rich. And if you watch YouTube videos, sometimes you see these, um, it's really funny, these um, thieves, they follow FedEx and UPS trucks, delivery trucks, and they deliver these packages to the front step. And then they have these, you know, these... Cameras now, these doorbell cameras. That are, all these people, they're just right behind the FedEx truck, just picking up all the packages. Isn't that isn't that terrible? Or what about this? What about borrowing things and just not not giving them back? That's not terrible. Karen, by the way, did we give you your pan back today? Yeah, she. Yeah, make sure we do that. Um, uh, yeah, borrowing things you ever do that? You borrow something, and you think yeah, I'm going to give that back, and you just never do. And you look at it and you say, oh, that's so-and-so's. I borrowed that a long time ago. And you say, ah, he probably forgot about it by now. No, maybe it maybe has, but maybe you need to take it back. You know, it's just things that we do. Um, and there's other things. In, small, in your small group time, uh, you'll be able to talk about some more of those things, practical ways that maybe are things that we just don't think about. But there's just some ways that we we maybe we break the the Eighth Commandment. We had to be careful for that. But there's their hope for the thief. Is there hope? Of course there is. Can a thief be saved? Turn your Bibles to Luke 19 real quick. Real quick. Luke 19, uh, Zacchaeus, he was a tax collector. He was a Jew and he worked for the Roman government. What he did is he took money from his own people and gave the money to the, the oppressing nation. But what he would do is, it was well known, they would take more money than they should. They would give the Romans their share, and he would do what with the rest? He would pocket it. So tax collectors were really wealthy. Jesus is headed to Jerusalem, and he's going through Jericho, where Zacchaeus lived. And Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, and he was really short, and so he couldn't see. So he got ahead of the crowd, and he climbed the sycamore tree. And look in verse 5. We'll pick up there. Uh, Luke 19, verse 5. It says... And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He is gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the, um, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone out of anything, who did he defraud? He defrauded everybody. If I defrauded anybody, I want to give back... Um, I restore it fourfold. I'll give back four times the amount. So really, what's he saying? Hey, Lord, this stuff used to be really important to me. This is what I live my life for. You know what? Guess what? Here, take it all. I don't care. I'll give it it all away. I'll give it all back. And Jesus said to him, verse 9, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So you have this. Burglar turning into a benefactor here. Why? Because God was gracious to him. Zacchaeus saw in Jesus a way out of his sinfulness, a way out of his guilt, a way out of his condemnation. And he climbed that tree so he could see the one who could help him. And then we see this yielding to the Lord. And Jesus saying salvation has come to your house. Has that happened in your life? And we're we're all we're all lawbreakers. We're all guilty of breaking the eighth commandment in some form or fashion. None of us have measured up in that regard. You may not be going in somebody's house when they're not at home and taking stuff, but we've done other things that violate that commandment. And because of that, the scripture says that we're guilty and we deserve Condemnation, which means God's going to pour out His wrath upon us when we die. We breathe our last. Our physical life is over. Eternity begins, either in heaven or hell. And for the, the breaker, the offender, the guilty, the one who's broken God's law, you'll be separated for, forever from the Lord. And he'll pour out his wrath upon you for all eternity. And that's the terrible bad news. But the good news is that there is hope in Christ. Jesus, this is the thing, Jesus, He every one of these commands, Jesus obeyed them. See, we need his record. We need we need we need Jesus' record of never stealing, of being very just in all his dealings with people. We need that record. And the only way we can get that record is by Trusting that Christ, what he did on the cross, Jesus lived a perfect life, but then he died this horrible death. He died a horrible death, and he was put on a cross, and he died, and he he was buried on the third day he rose from the dead. And the way that we can receive Jesus' record in regard to the eighth commandment is by placing our faith and trust in Christ. Jesus, you died, and you died for me. I'm guilty, I deserve your wrath. But Jesus, he took my punishment on the cross and he was buried and on the third day when he rose from the dead. He he rose that I could be made right in regard to the Eighth Commandment. And if you've never repented of your sin, turned from being sinful and you've never trusted Christ's work on the cross as your own. You trusted that he died for you and he rose for you. I want to encourage you to do that today by application. That's the application for you. If you're lost, if you're not a believer, if you've never repented and trusted Christ, you need to repent and receive his perfect record his righteousness so you can have a relationship with the, the holy god and maybe we're we're here and we're believers and we're understanding yeah there's some of the things I can I, I realize there are some ways that I've offend the lord and grieve him when I steal things and I uh lie on my income tax or I do this or do that well the lord wants to He wants to give you grace as well. So we need to repent and turn away from that. As we go into the Lord's Supper real quickly, you have a a cup here, and as Morgan was saying, we have open communion here. That means we open it for everybody that's a believer. If you're not a believer, you have a small child, they're not a believer in Christ. They they haven't been baptized. They're not walking in obedience to the Lord, following Him. Just just have them hold off. They may have questions. It would be a great opportunity for you to talk with your child about about, um, about salvation in Christ. But if you're here and you're a believer, we encourage you to take the Lord's Supper. If not, just sit and watch and listen and learn. We have a, a cup here, and it has a little a wafer in the top, some bread, which represents... Jesus' body, and when we take the Lord's Supper, we're remembering His body, but we're also remembering His blood that was shed for us, and that's the juice. And so what we'll do is I'll read through some Scripture, have some prayer time, and then we'll take the bread together, remembering Christ's body, and then I'll, I'll give thanks again for His blood, and we'll we'll take the juice together, remembering Jesus' blood Um died for us in this in the text that morgan read for you first corinthians 11 paul is giving this church in corinth instruction about the lord's supper and he he says over and over again do this in remembrance of me so why do we take the lord's supper we remember that jesus died for sinners and if you're taking the lord's supper you're saying i'm remembering that jesus died for me and his body was broken for me and his blood was shed for me The second reason we take the Lord's Supper is we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's a proclamation of the gospel, and that's what we're doing here. We're taking the Lord's Supper, we're reminding everyone, and by you taking it, you're proclaiming the gospel. Hey, this is a gospel thing we're doing. It's because of the gospel I can take this Lord's Supper and celebrate what God has done for me in Christ. The third thing is accountability. As Morgan led us earlier in a time of confession, he said we should examine ourselves. We don't just take the Lord's Supper flippantly. No, we examine ourselves. Is there any unrepentant sin in my life? Have I been a thief? Have I stolen things? Have I been shady in some of my business dealings? Am I taking more money than I should for my employer? Am I cheating anybody in any way? We need to confess that and we need to repent. And we need to take the Lord's Supper. You say, well, I'm not in a good place. I shouldn't take the Lord's Supper. No, you're commanded to take the Lord's Supper. You're a believer. Providently, God's brought you here. You need to repent and you need to take the Lord's Supper. It's great accountability, isn't it? God in His infinite wisdom set this up for us. And the, and the, and the fourth thing that happens we take Lord's Supper is we celebrate the New Covenant. And the New Covenant was promised in, in two places in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36, promised that there's going to be a, a New Covenant that God is going to initiate and begin with His people. And what happens in the New Covenant is God's going to put His law not on stone, because what we're reading now is about the Ten Commandments, and that was an external law for the nation of Israel. It was external, it was on stone, and it was a duty. Do this. This is my standard for you. This is what you should live. This is how you should live. This is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. You shouldn't steal. That's the standard. But it's duty. But what happens is when Christ comes and we place our faith and, and trust in, a, in the crucified, risen Christ, we're given the Holy Spirit, right? Right? We live under the new covenant. And what happens under the new covenant, God's plan is that the law would be put in us by his spirit. And the spirit that's now living in us makes God's will, not a, just a duty, do this, don't do that, a bunch of rules and regulations. No, it's not just a duty, it's, a, it's our delight. And so today as we take the Lord's Supper, we're going to take it remembering Christ's sacrifice for us, being thankful for it. We're also celebrating this life of a new covenant believer. We don't just have the external law. No, we have the Spirit who has written that on our hearts. And now it's not just a duty, it's a delight to obey the Lord and give him glory because he's worthy of our obedience because of all he's done for us.
0: So let's get. Thank you for tuning in to our Sunday morning services at Beaver Baptist Church. We are currently studying the book of Exodus. If you have any questions about today's message, or would like more information about our church, call us at 901-837-2904. You can also visit our website at beaverbaptist.com.